Chapter 3 of the Social Settlement Movement in Chicago by Josephine Hunt Raymond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3 Hull House. In September 1889, Miss Jane Addams and Miss Ellen Starr inaugurated the work of the social settlement known as Hull House. Both were women of means and education, and permeated with a desire to be of use to the unfortunate people of Chicago. After a careful study of social conditions, they decided that social intercourse and social education would go far to better the lot of the poor and ignorant. They saw that the prime factor in civilization is discontent, that the satisfied do not strive for the higher life, and that the two great steps to be taken toward reaching their goal, the bettering of social conditions, were first to create a kind of divine discontent among the poor second to put within their reach the means for improving their lives and homes. The medium which these women chose was the social settlement, which should become a center for all good things, moral stamina, intellectual nourishment, social recreation. The founders had no wish to pose as charity dispensers nor as reformers. They simply wished to form a home in a community where good influence were rare to set the standard for refined and earnest living. In Miss Adams' own words, Hull House seeks to make social intercourse express the growing sense of the economic unity of society. It is an attempt to add the social function to democracy. A young Englishman, when pressed for a definition of a settlement, after trying to word his definition comprehensively, said at last in desperation, Why, hang it, madam, we settle. So Miss Adams and Miss Starr settled, realizing that permanence is the greatest element of success. A prosaic admirer of Hull House, in trying to express his satisfaction at its enduring qualities and at the same time deprecating its location, remarked that it was well grounded in the mud. Hull House stands on South Halstead Street, adjoining Polk. The original mansion stands between two large brick buildings of recent construction was built in 1858 by Charles J. Hull, a real estate dealer, and still retains the name of its builder. In those days it was a stately family mansion, and even now it has not lost its look of aristocratic dignity lent by its wide door and great windows. At the death of Mr. Hull, the property passed to Miss Culver, his niece, who has given it rent-free until 1920 to Miss Adams for the purpose to which it is now put. On either side of the house stood rickety buildings, which have since been removed, to make way for beautiful red-brick buildings, Butler Gallery on the south, the Children's Building on the north. Adjoining the house on Polk Street is the Gymnasium Building, the upper floor devoted to the spacious gymnasium, the lower to the coffee house and kitchen, facing Polk Street. To the south at 253 Ewing Street, inside of the south windows of Hull House, is the building devoted to the Jane Club, a cooperative club of young women. At 245 Polk Street, across from the coffee house, lived the Failings Club, a young men's cooperative club. The children's playground is on Polk Street, a few doors to the east. These features will be described in detail later on. Miss Adams chose as a fitting place for her settlement one of the worst districts in Chicago, a sweatshop district in the 19th Ward. The ward contains a population of 50,000 inhabitants, 
of almost every nationality it was the very diversity of population and variety of occupation which led to the choice of residence south halstead street is thirty-two miles long polk street crosses halstead midway between the stockyards to the south and the shipbuilding yards on the north branch of the chicago river between halstead street and the river live ten thousand italians to the south on twelfth street lives a german colony on side streets are many polish and russian jews farther south still the jews give way to a large bohemian colony to the northwest of hull house live canadian french in a clannish group to the north are the irish west and farther north are the better class of english speaking the streets of this ward are of the dirtiest or were before miss johnson the hull house inspector undertook the work of seeing that they were cleaned hundreds of houses are not connected with the main sewer there is bad lighting miserable paving or not at all and school buildings most inadequate for the number of children living in the ward the houses are almost all wooden structures there are many back tenements the faucet in the back yard is the only water supply for great numbers of houses there are no fire escapes this condition of things is made still more hopeless by the fact that the better class of people move out of the ward as soon as possible giving it over to the ignorant immigrant there are two hundred and fifty-five saloons in the ward one saloon for every twenty-eight voters seven churches and two missions attend to the souls of the inhabitants in the ward and only three of these is the service in english in a district like this certainly there is need of work of all kinds miss adams asserts that all the functions of hull house may be grouped along four lines social educational humanitarian and civic clearly these lines will overlap social clubs have educational features while the humanitarian may prevail throughout both and the direct purpose of all three may be made to subserve the ends of civic uprightness the primary aim of the settlement is however social and abundant opportunities are offered to people of the district for cultivating this side of their natures the social atmosphere is strong in and about hull house i cannot say with any degree of certainty to what extent the residents of hull house have the trust of the foreign population surrounding it but there is a constant stream from the outside world pouring through its doors on various errands matters of life and death matters of poverty efforts to get work every sort of plea with a seeming faith in the power of hull house to grant every request friday evening was first devoted to the german neighbors of the house saturday evening to the italian though these receptions were successful in the highest degree pressure of the work has crowded them out for a time at least besides these informal social gatherings receptions are given at regular intervals by the various organizations which bring a constant current of social life into the house during one of my stays at hull house during one week alone occurred a number of most unique gatherings in the beautiful butler art gallery i attended a fine art exhibit to which the neighbors were bidden people of all classes and clothing came only a small collection of pictures was shown but these were properly catalogued after the exhibit came a reception at isis there was some awkwardness to be sure one would see the same thing in any great drawing-room of swelldom the beautiful feature of this was that one saw something besides awkwardness there was appreciation in every face for the treat artistic and social 
on another evening occurred a reception given by the laundry employees union on another one by the watson social club others by other organizations the week of festivity closing with a grand function undertaken by the working women's council the educational work of hull house has from the first been substantial and beneficial the founders of hull house believe that if this old world is to be regenerated we must begin with the children and so kindergarten work was undertaken at the outset english irish german russian and italian were gathered into the beautiful dining-room of hull house for three hours of each day from nine to twelve experienced kindergartners were employed to care for them and the institution grew into high favor in the neighborhood chiefly perhaps because it was free miss adams likes to describe the admiration of the mothers whose astonishment at the miracle of hull house being willing to put up with the children knew no bounds two years ago the children's building at the north of the main building was built it is the gift of mr charles mather smith whose hearty support of the work of hull house has from the first been most inspiring the building is most beautiful in all its appointments it is four stories high with two broad balconies on the front and south which make delightful play spaces for the little ones in summer on the third floor of this building you may find the kindergarten a large schoolroom with adjoining cupboards and bathrooms furnish ample space for the children's work let us go into the schoolroom where five days in each week from nine until twelve we shall find fifty little ones with as happy faces as one can find in this sorrowful world of ours the room is cheerful and beautiful the dark red walls make the darkest day seem light windows light the room on three sides and on the fourth are generous cupboards for material a brick fireplace is opposite the door on the wall hang pictures from Millais and breton miss starr the kindergartner in charge is a graduate of mrs putnam's school and her work shows the highest degree of efficiency the day begins with music the children forget their miserable home surroundings as they sing of beautiful growing things which many of them have never seen or of singing birds unknown in smoky halstead street in the middle of the session a tiny lunch of crackers is given the children who vie with one another to pass them learning all the time lessons of gentleness and courtesy then come games where fairness politeness a sense of beauty are taught where graceful swaying motion teaches rhythm and harmony and where a real joy of life is put into the day for the time being at least the classwork of hull house though considered a subordinate part of its function is growing rapidly in importance it was however a disappointment to me that so few of the abjectly ignorant were to be seen in the classes young men and women of imperfect education clerks teachers in the lower grades of the city schools these are found in the advanced classes but almost no men and women who realizing their utter lack of education wish even at this late day to supply their needs such as these go to the night sessions of chicago's public schools classes are formed in almost every branch of learning the teachers are either residents teachers from the various institutions in the city or people of leisure who wish to extend the sphere of their usefulness all give their services the classes are arranged in terms of twelve weeks the fees for advanced classes are fifty cents a term no class is formed for less than six pupils upon the payment of the fee each student receives a card which is called for by the teacher of each class at the end of the third week of the term 
The April Bulletin of Hull House offers 24 courses of work for advanced students, covering the following subjects. In Science, a course in Physiology offered by Dr. Dorothea Moore. Physics by Mr. Kaufman. Astronomy by Mr. Lemoyne. Mathematics, a course in Elementary Algebra, offered by Mr. Kaufman. Advanced Algebra, again by Mr. Kaufman. And Geometry, offered by Miss Oakley. In Language, a course in Greek is offered by Mr. Moore. In Latin, Advanced, offered by Mr. Moore. Latin Intermediate, by Miss Young. Latin Beginning, again Miss Young. German Advanced, Miss Peterson. German Intermediate, Miss Fugue. German Elementary, Miss Fugue. Psychology, a course in Educational Psychology, offered by Mr. Moore. Art as Related to Life, offered by Miss Starr. Art as Related to Life and Religion, offered by Mr. Twose. Four courses in drawing are offered by Mrs. Benedict, West, and Hannes, and Mr. Whitney. A course in painting by Miss Benedict. A course in embroidery by Miss Hannig. In the art classes, the attendance averages 15 students, and in the other classes, 10. The courses offered for secondary classes are given free. They include the following branches of instruction. Mathematics, work and arithmetic, offered by Miss Carey. In English, grammar and letter writing, offered by Miss Boynton. English speaking for Russians, offered by Miss Thomas. In art, clay modeling by Miss Benedict. Sewing, offered by Mrs. Bettman. The secondary classes are much larger, all except the class in art, averaging 20. The class in clay modeling averages 15. There is little doubt that the classwork done here is beneficial. The faculty is excellent. The spirit is eager. A great deal of tutoring goes on all the time among the students themselves at Hull House. Happening into one of the pleasant rooms on the ground floor, used as classrooms in the children's building, I saw two bright Jewesses, perhaps sixteen and eighteen respectively, the elder instructing the younger in spelling. The children and youth of the neighborhood regard the very walls of the house as breathing learning, and prefer to come here for their simple tutoring than to remain at home and perform the very same task. It is the hunger of the human heart for what is beautiful and harmonious displayed in the love of the soul-starved for Hull House. Delicate colors on wall and floor, good pictures, an atmosphere of refinement, are more soul-satisfying than the surroundings to which many of the poor live. The clubs for children form a distinctive feature of the educational system of Hull House. There are boys' clubs and girls' clubs, each with its adult director. The greatest good fellowship prevails in every club, and the ends of education and of social culture are found to be best served by combining the two. Many of these clubs bear somewhat fantastic names, derived from some romantic preference of the members. Others are named for their purpose or their leader. There are at present eight flourishing girls' clubs. The Eleanor Smith Club admits girls between the ages of 12 and 14. The purpose of the club is a study of the history of music and musicians. Four clubs are devoted to learning the art of sewing. The Sweet Violet Club is the club of beginners. Girls 8 to 10 years of age may belong. The Little Woman's Club has for its purpose a continuation of the work of the Sweet Violet Club, admitting girls between the ages of 10 and 12. 
the next step in the art is to go into the little workers club to which girls between the ages of twelve and fourteen are admitted the good fellowship club includes girls somewhat older and more experienced other girls clubs are devoted to reading the happy reading circle whose members range from ten to twelve years of age has of late been reading eugene field's poems the american rose club includes girls from twelve to fifteen years of age the clara barton club takes them on farther as they become older the boys clubs are graded in the same manner the small boys from eight to ten years of age are entertained by wisely chosen stories in the george washington club boys from ten to twelve find their way into the siegfried club as the name indicates the children listen to legends from the various mythologies their imaginations are quickened and the story day comes to mean the gateway into an enchanted land of beauty the columbus club is made up of boys ranging from twelve to fourteen years of age the smaller children boys and girls make up the kindergarten club there is besides a woodcarver's club a chorus of school children under the direction of mr tomlins meets during the winter at hull house children between the ages of eight and fourteen are admitted to the chorus all these clubs meet weekly the boys and girls club have each a membership of ten the kindergarten club often numbers fifty there are clubs for older youth as the clinton lock club and the young debating and social club two organizations formed for debating purposes there is the ida wright club composed of young girls who carry out pleasant literary programs the young men's clubs are as follows the young citizens club the eldorado club composed of jewish young men and the grant club devoted to debates the drexel club includes both men and women in its membership the programs are literary a play now and then being presented the friendship club is one of like nature music and tales of travel being the object of the club the hull house shakespeare club is one of the best at hull house the plays of shakespeare are studied and when the best actors give shakespearean plays at chicago theatres the club attends in a body at present only women are members of the club the social science club for men and women has been in existence since the founding of hull house there has frequently been a membership of one hundred at the weekly meetings an address of forty-five minutes is followed by discussion all shades of political and religious opinion are brought together the woman's club of hull house is another prosperous club it numbers ninety of the most able women in the ward the members of the club are doing good work along sanitary and municipal lines much attention is also paid to the question of improving the home the better education and training of children etc hull house has from the first been a flourishing university extension centre scarcely a week has passed since the founding of hull house that several courses of lectures have not been in progress these lectures occur on sunday nights as well as week nights and are largely attended the sunday night lectures have had audiences of three hundred people meeting in the large gymnasium in addition to the regular extension courses a constant effort is made to bring to hull house men of note not only residents of chicago but lecturers from abroad the well-equipped gymnasium offers admirable facilities for work in physical culture a small fee is charged each month for men and women twenty-five cents for girls and boys fifteen cents during the winter the classes are usually very large 
but as the warm weather comes on, the numbers fall off. Perhaps 75 people are, during the present term, using the gymnasium for physical training. A men's class and a woman's class, as well as one for girls and another for boys, are in full swing. The circulating picture gallery is one of the best features of the Hull House educational system. Miss Starr believes that the influence for good of one good picture in the house is enormous. Accordingly, with infinite pains, she has collected a number of pictures, all of the very best, which are loaned after the manner of a circulating library for two weeks at a time. A typewritten account of the picture is pasted on the back, the name and particular excellence of the artist, and a brief characterization of the picture. The pictures go into many poor homes, where before has been only dinginess. Perhaps new impulses are given by these works of art, which preaching and mission work could not accomplish. There are at present 100 framed photographs, watercolors, etc., in the gallery. A vast amount of relief work of one sort or another goes on at Hull House, which can best be classified by its humanitarian aspect. A Bureau of Relief has been established, which is in constant communication with the Chicago Bureau of Charities. Information is given concerning the societies and charitable institutions of the city, and every effort is made to put the applicants in communication with the proper sources for the relief. One resident has charge of the clothing supplies. Another solicits employment for the unemployed. Another is visitor and kindergarten teacher for sick children. Without endowment and without capital itself, Hull House constantly acts between the various institutions of the city and the people for whose benefit these institutions were erected. The hospitals, the county agencies, and state asylums are often but vague rumors to the people who need them most. This commission work, as I take it, is of value not only to the recipient but to the institutions themselves. For three years a day nursery has been in successful operation at Hull House. Here working mothers may leave their babies while they are at their daily toil. As some careworn creature climbs the stairs to the second floor in the beautiful new children's building, and there leaves her baby to the care of kind motherly women, she probably echoes the words of that poor mother who said as she left her little one here to the delights of the creche. H.H. is meant to stand for Hull House but it also means half heaven. One airy, beautiful room hung with the Madonnas of Raphael, as well as casts from Donatello and Della Rovia, contains the little white beds where the babies take their naps. In an adjoining room is a playroom and lunchroom for the children who toddle about with one another. In summer, the wide balconies furnish splendid places of exploration, besides affording a never-failing delight at the presence of a saucy parrot and a playful squirrel. Each mother pays five cents a day for the privilege of leaving her baby here while she earns her daily bread. The faces of the children of the poor are inexpressibly pathetic, and Hull House Nursery will preach more than one powerful sermon to the inquiring soul who wants to know what to do in the world. The crowded city, with its countless forces for evil, is simply a great battleground, and the strongest weapon for good is the salvation of the children from the miserable or sinful lives their parents have led. Every day, rain or shine at nine o'clock, the visiting nurse takes her supplies of clean linen, towels, salves, and medicine from the capacious cupboard in the hall of Hull House and goes out on her errands of mercy. 
up and down the streets of her district she goes with her list of numbers here there is a new baby coming to a destitute italian family filth and unsanitary surroundings greet the newcomer the mother has no comforts whatever the father is out of work several other children already need food and clothing the visiting nurse supplies the bed of the mother with clean linen washes and dresses the baby advises the father how best he may make the house clean and comfortable and goes on her way followed by the blessing of the mother the work of the visiting nurse is not a distinctive part of hull house relief work she simply has her headquarters here and receives telephone messages keeps her stores of linen and medicines here and is in general identified with the humane work of the house salary and directions come from the visiting nurses association which is supported by private subscription the jane club founded five years ago is carrying out most successfully the great principles of applied philanthropy to me it seems the very crown of humanitarian effort affording as it does a safe and comfortable home for working girls with all the instruments of intellectual and physical progress about them besides being a shining example of the success of cooperative efforts when correctly and scientifically made the jane club so named from miss adams is a cooperative boarding club occupying five flats at two forty one ewing street just around the corner from hull house the club is limited to fifty each member pays three dollars a week board all expenses being met thus by the thirty members now forming the club a housekeeper supervises the work of the club and the thirty girls have as delightful a home life as can be wished the nucleus of the jane club was a group of trades union girls two bookbinders two shoemakers and one shirtmaker each member is a wage earner some members are teachers some factory employees others office clerks this diversity of occupation and interest among the members has always been valuable to the life and tone of the club there are classes and clubs within the membership and nearly all the members are regular attendants at the whole house lectures the club as an economical experiment and a most successful one has attracted wide attention in london miss adams remarks that on two occasions in london she found herself received not because she was identified with hull house but because she was associated with the jane club great interest was displayed as to the probable reasons why hull house's jane club had seceded so gloriously when similar attempts had repeatedly failed in london Miss Adams is especially anxious that a new building be provided for the Jane Club. The size of the club makes more convenient quarters an absolute necessity. Fifteen or eighteen thousand dollars would build a commodious house for thirty girls upon a piece of land already donated to Hull House. The Failings Club, a cooperative boarding club for young men at 253 Polk Street, is conducted on the same plan as is the Jane Club. The number, however, is much smaller twelve being the greatest number who have boarded here the coffee-house was opened in eighteen ninety three it was built and fitted up by mr colvin a generous friend of hull house the coffee-house is intensely interesting from an aesthetic point of view alone it is like an old english inn with its dark rafters its diamond-shaped panes its rows of old blue mugs and pitchers a wonderfully attractive place it is in every way its influence is singularly refining there are well-cooked food all the daily papers quiet attendance i do not know that it is serving its purpose as an offset to the saloon 
frequenters of saloons certainly do not eat here with any regularity. When the coffee-house was open, an Irish laborer coolly inspected it and remarked, You can have the coffee-gang here part of the time, and you can have the shovel-gang here a part of the time. But you can't have the office-gang and the shovel-gang here both at the same time. And so it has proved. The office-gang loves the coffee-house as a pleasant place of cheer. The shovel-gang send their children to buy well-cooked food, but do not come themselves. In time they may, but not now. Back of the coffee-house is a New England kitchen with all model and modern appliances for cooking, including a number of Aladdin ovens. Coffee, soup, and stews are delivered every day at noon to the neighboring factories. A pint of soup or coffee with two hot rolls can be bought for five cents. This extension of the coffee-house to the factories has become very popular with the employees of the factories. The Penny Provident Savings Bank of New York has a station at Hull House. This is one of the popular features of Hull House. The depositors receive cards upon which stamps are paced to the amount of their deposit. These stamps are redeemable in money at the option of the depositors. From January 1, 1896 to April 1, 1897, 4,000 cards have been issued. It is a most interesting study from life to sit from 7 to 8 o'clock each evening, banking hours, and watch the varied specimens of humanity defiantly or cautiously coming in to deposit their mites. A woman with the savings of a week of grinding toil, striving to keep from a brutal husband what has made the grave so much nearer, a thrifty bohemian or German with his day's earnings tied in the corner of a red handkerchief, a newsboy, pride written on every sharpened feature at his own prosperity, chapters in the brute struggle going on in our great cities, where too often the end of the story is exhaustion and death. Little by little the residents of Hull House have extended their influence into municipal affairs. Hull House is a most convenient spot in which to hold meetings, and the residents are most clear-headed agitators. Prominent people of Chicago aver that the whole city of Chicago feels the potent touch of the group of citizens residing at Hull House upon matters relating to civic life. Within a few blocks of Hull House is located the Carter H. Harrison Free Public Bath, the only one of its kind in the city. Miss Adams was influential in determining the location of the bath, and in having the whole amount of the appropriation, $12,000, put into the building. Within three blocks of Hull House, at 21 Blue Island Avenue, is a free reading room, a branch of the public library. In order to get the reading room started, the lecture hall of Butler Gallery was used for a public library. When the venue was proved a distinct success, the library authorities rented their own reading room. The erection of the Sholto Street school building was due to the efforts of Mrs. Kelly, a prominent resident of Hull House, who called attention to the alarming fact that the school census showed 6,976 school children in the 19th Ward, and that they were provided with only 2,000 957 public school sittings. The 19th Ward has always been branded as one of the worst, from a sanitary point of view, in the city. One of the greatest services Hull House has rendered the city is the part it has played in securing more efficient garbage inspection. When the city contracts for removing garbage expired two years ago, Miss Adams herself put in a bid for the work, but it was thrown out on a technicality. She then applied for the position of garbage inspector and was appointed by Mayor Swift. 
she promptly appointed Miss Amanda Johnson, a graduate of the University of Wisconsin, her deputy, and the war was waged on uncleanliness. Since the passage of the Civil Service Law, Miss Johnson has taken the examinations prescribed by the Commission, and now holds in her own name the position left vacant by Miss Adams. Old residents of the ward say that never before have the alleys been kept in so good condition. In my tour with Miss Johnson through the alleys of the 19th Ward, I was impressed by the courtesy everywhere shown by the inhabitants to the firm-faced, pleasant-voiced woman who strode down one street after another, directing, commending, reproving. Where simple notification does not do, she prosecutes, but her prosecutions are rare indeed. Her executive power is simply wonderful. She knows exactly where every man employed by the contractor for the removal of garbage should be at seven o'clock every morning, and she generally finds him at his post. Especially neat did I find the alleys in the Greek colonies, whose filth was, I am told, simply impassable a few years ago. In 1892, Mrs. Florence Kelly, a resident of Hull House, was appointed special agent of the Illinois Bureau of Labor Statistics for the purpose of investigating the condition of the home finishers under the sweating system. The results of her work were embodied in the report of the Bureau for that year. The information thus gathered served as a basis of agitation for the passage of the sweatshop law. In 1893, Mrs. Kelly was appointed by the United States Department of Labor to act as expert in charge of the Chicago branch of the investigation of the slums of great cities. The results of the investigations were published in the 8th Special Report of the Department. The information gathered served as the basis of the maps in Hull House Maps and Papers. In 1893, Mrs. Kelly was appointed Chief Inspector of the Factories of Illinois being the first woman appointed to that office. As a member of the Bar of Illinois, she now prosecutes violators of the factory law. During 1895, she obtained the conviction of 278 employers upon the charge of employing 488 children in violation of the child labor provisions of the factory law, whose object it is to obtain more wholesome conditions of work in the sweatshop and to regulate the employment. At this writing, a bill is before the state legislature designed to regulate the employment of children in the state of Illinois and to provide for the enforcement thereof. If passed, this bill will materially relieve the oppression of the child laborer who is exploited by the grasping employer. A resident of Hull House, Miss Julia C. Lathrop, has been reappointed as member of the State Board of Charities. She has worked for four years to increase the comfort and efficiency of poorhouses throughout the state, to secure women physicians in the hospitals for the insane, and many other needed changes. End of chapter 3